But I'm good. You can see me okay. I mean, as good yeah. as you probably will. You're ugly as hell. I look good. Comb my I hair. Beautiful. Beautiful. We're rolling, by the way. We are rolling. So, ladies and gentlemen, we have the one and only uh, Jake Light on the podcast. Jake, unity is community. And we're, we're making some cool things happen here. You know why? For one, I don't think we've spoke, we, we spoke last before a conversation, what, last week, like a year ago. So it's nice, to get, it's nice to get you on the phone, the video, whatever you want to call this thing. So real quickly, uh, Jake is a real estate guru. Uh, the Flip Secret is his business. He's a mentor. He knows a lot of cool stuff about the real estate industry. And we wanted to provide a little value to all of you guys. I'm going to be educated today as well. So Jake, welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Matt Soli. Yes, everyone, my name is Jake Light. I'm also known as your favorite investor, also also known as your mother's favorite investor. And Matt, <laughs> it's just wonderful to see your ugly mug again. Wait, it's wait, been wait, a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Not you personally, just collectively, everyone's mother's favorite investor. Yeah, your mother's favorite investor. Okay, okay, I'm, I'm down with that. That sounds, that sounds good to me. So yeah. let's, let's talk a little bit about, I'm going to go back to, you know, how we met at a company called Knowledge United. You're a young kid fresh out of college. I'm, I'm coming, coming out of doing some different things. We met there. You mm -hmm. know, what, what was your experience like there being a salesman that led you being to or becoming an entrepreneur? Well, um, great question. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but Knowledge United was my first job ever. Did you know that? Now that you bring it up, yeah. I do. Yeah, yeah. So yes. um, my experience there was great. I mean, that... I learned how to work for money. And almost like, like I learned how to provide value for a paycheck. Um, I fresh out of college, I played sports my whole life, as you know. Um, you know, some of the tougher sports, you know, swimming, water polo, you know, underwater basket weaving. Yeah, you, you have to not sink, right? Yeah. Actually, water polo, is, water polo is pretty tough, but I rode the bench in college, nevertheless. Honestly, honestly, I think swimming and the water sports, I don't care if it's like rhythmic, rhythmic gymnastics. Like, that's not easy. It's not easy. Like, it's very uh, difficult. And if you don't uh, think it's difficult, go try it. Go swim. Go swim like 10 laps. See how you feel. You'll probably only be able to get done with like five. And you're like, oh, that's a great workout. And that'll only be like six minutes. And you still need to do like another half hour, 45 hours. So anyone who's played a water sport, uh, I, I commend them on their ability not only to be an athlete, but to be someone that could not drown. Yeah, there you go, right? That, that's also a, an added bonus. Although swimming, just going off, you know, we're already going off the course here with our conversation as usual. It's like we're picking up, you know, right where we left off two years ago. But yeah. uh, swimming was the, I was good at it. I beat Michael Phelps when I was real young. Like I was 5'10", he was probably 5'11". We were like 10, 11 years old. I beat him. But, so you were 11 and he was one. No, no, no. He's the same age as me. He's the same age as me. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. John, but, uh, John, John Larson, our buddy, yeah. who is also at, at Knowledge United there. We, have yeah. a collect, we had a collection of really interesting people. John, John qualified for the Olympics in 2000. He swam in the Olympic trials. Yeah, while we were at Knowledge United. But nevertheless, swimming, swimming it, it's just training for it is wall tag, right? You put your head under the water and you swim miles and then you don't talk to anyone. 
you better you better be right up here if you're going to be a swimmer. Anyway, uh, I swam and played water polo. I got to go back and, and keep this back on course, or else this is going to be a seven hour podcast. But um, I uh, I swam, played water polo, and in college I was like a minimalist. I didn't. I have a business degree. I got my degree by one credit. I actually fell short of graduating, except for I, I taught like a special ed uh, swimming class one summer that qualified as as credits. And I got two credits for community service, which put me above graduating by one credit. So got my degree in business, never had a job. And there was a, an organization that took college athletes because we trained, right? Even though I was D3, we trained a lot, especially during the summer. And so we didn't have time for the internships that other business majors had. So they taught us how to do interviews and they set up interviews. They're kind of like a headhunter, but very niche, right? They, they niche down on, on college athletes. And people apparently really wanted to interview college athletes, including you know, our old boss at, uh, at KU, at Knowledge United. And so I memorized a script, right? Like I had no idea what I was doing. I had anxiety. I had a suit that went like three quarter sleeve, like way too small for me. I'd never worn a suit before, you know? But I knew how to, I practiced and practiced how to do an interview. Um, and uh, I got job offers from every single one. And Knowledge United was the best one uh, for me because uh, it was a small business. Um, it, it, you know, uh, my, the intention was to learn how business worked in general. And if I was going to be working directly, have like a direct, like personal relationship with the owner of the business. And, you know, there's less than 10 people that work there. Um, that would be a really good experience. And, and the money was good too. <laughs> so yeah, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Cause I know, I know for me, I learned so much from Mike and Ben who, who are the owners of knowledge United and that, a big that reason was worth more than my business degree, by the way. Yeah. And, and why? Because I was thinking about this. I'm like, why was that experience so valuable? And not that the other ones, the other experiences that I had as, as a salesperson selling wine and spirits and then uh, being a sportscaster for a little while, that, you know, coupled with working at Knowledge United for almost six years, um, that experience was almost invaluable because they provided us with the freedom and the flexibility to make things happen. So we were building partnerships, building relationships, and then providing a solution to our customers. And we're kind of doing that, not necessarily on our own, but on our own. And in addition, the responsibility thing, accountability thing, commission only for the most part. Talk yeah. about that experience. Well, dude, I mean, I, uh, that's a good way to put it. Like, I think Gary Vaynerchuk, called uh what we did or something similar to it uh being an entrepreneur right you, you don't own the company but you run your territory or your your vertical or whatever it is as if it was your own business and that's what we did and we got paid accordingly i mean we would have i mean i know that that based on what i would collect i would have huge months and i would also have months that was like next to zero because <laughs> it was a profit sharing like straight up profit sharing type structure and so i learned real quick that um you know, you eat what you kill, right? And so you have to hunt every day. And I, I mean, like I said, that, that, that experience, probably the first year of that experience especially, was more valuable than anything I've seen because not only were we able to run our territory the way that we were, but the owner, our bosses, Ben and Mike, they were still selling. So we could model what was working with them, uh, provide solutions to other people. It's like, uh, it, it, was, um, it was definitely eye-opening to see how, creatively you could make money i mean we're running territories two thousand miles away from we live from where we live without ever going there working with huge corporations by grinding yeah. the phones and being yeah. idiots with each other in the office having a good time you know so uh like uh, that taught me the value of of having an open mind and being creative in business being able to pivot 
was super important. Um, you know, the, the whole, uh, I guess, the um, strategy of uh, you got to go hunt and you eat what you kill. Like that, I mean, that's capitalism at its finest. So just having that whole experience, I learned that, that you get in business, at least in entrepreneurship. And this would apply to, you know, real estate agents, people that are, you know, um, independent contractors and stuff like that. Like uh, your results are going to be a direct... Um, so uh, Jake, I want, to the aggressiveness that you Jake, I want to jump in. I want to jump in real quick and we're not, we're not getting into politics. We're going to stay away from that, but just, you mentioned capitalism and being a capitalist. Why do you think in this day and age, there's a negative, uh, there's a negative connotation. Now there's pros and cons, a completely free completely free market with no regulations, that's kind of scary, right? We need, you know, you need a safety net in certain areas. But why do you think just the term capitalism has, has taken a, uh, a bad rap in, in recent years? Well, there's, whatever, let, let me just leave it that way. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I'll, I'll walk the tightrope here. Um, <laughs> you know, I, when you said that, uh, I'm, I'm just going to like respond on the spot here. When you said that, it made me cringe a little bit, right? Because there is a negative connotation to a lot of people, but there's also a ton of people that have a super positive, like, uh, uh, you know, when I think of capitalism, I think of freedom, right? Other people think of capitalism, they'll say greed or, or, or something like that. Now, I think it's a direct, it's probably a direct correlation of, uh, you know, how much news you watch, right? Like, uh, I feel, and I'm 35. Uh, I know you're what, 50, 51 now. You're getting, you're getting up there. <laughs> hey but, uh, man, hey man, if you're a stand-up comedian, you'd be funny. Stick yeah. <laughs> to the real estate. I'm 41, yeah. by the way. I look 31, but you're welcome. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. Thank you. Um, I think that. So I'm a, I'm a millennial. I'm, I'm also Gen X. I'm. There's like two-year gap. I was born in '84, where we're both. I think that, and you know, I do a lot of coaching as well. And I think the younger that we are, right? Um, uh, the thinner skin we have. So I would say that a lot of times the more negative connotation with capitalism is with younger folks. And um, I think it's because a lot of times, like especially in today's culture and society, and it's not everywhere, I'm not like saying this is true for all of us, but a lot of places we, we were taught, you know, the whole cliche of getting the participation trophy, right? Like, you know, even if you try, even if you don't do a great job, even if you don't get the results, you still win. I think a lot of times that, that, that gives us an out of, of being able to, you know, if you don't get the results you want, there's an excuse, there's something to blame, there's someone to blame. And so I think that, that, that with capitalism, a lot of times, you know, there's going to be people that win, there's going to be people, people that lose. I think that true capitalists and any business owner that, that really makes it, they've gone through so many failures and they've, they've learned from the failures rather than, you know, going into the fetal position. And by doing that, they strengthen their, their ability to adapt and react to those types of situations. But the younger that people are, the more tempted they are. If they lose, they're like, oh, well, that's not fair. I should get rewarded just by trying. And it's just not how it works. So I think that there's, you know, it's a lot of times the younger someone is, they haven't experienced life and, and the reality of life. It's not fair. Right. And uh, it's on us as, as humans or Americans uh, to adapt to a lot of those punches that we get to the face, especially when it comes to being you, enterprising you know, MFs like us, you know? So we, we grew up and there wasn't, there wasn't the participation trophy. You got a trophy if, if you won, maybe there was something for second or third, right? Um, and then you, you were always outside competing with your friends. And I was, I was doing the same thing. And 
You know, you win and, and you lose some. That, that's, that's, that's kind of the deal, as is life. Now, getting back to Knowledge United here, what if, just being on commission only as a salesperson at such a young age, what did that teach you as a man and then as a business person? And then how did that help you understand that you could go do something on your own and succeed? Well, um, <laughs> 100% commission is the, the best lesson you can have in accountability. And uh, that's account. And this is something that scared the crap out of me when we first shifted over to from salary plus commission to just commission. I was like, Oh my God, why, what do you, what do you mean? Like there's no, there's no net, but um, I was forced to take 100% accountability. If I didn't get paid, I can't blame anyone. We had a very like lucrative uh, commission structure, compensation structure where if we did well, we got paid accordingly, right? And that's great. But uh, it freaked me out because like, well, if we don't do well, then I don't get paid anything and there's no, there's nothing I can do. Like there's nowhere I can point, right? And that's, that's, I mean, that's the first time you get thrown into something like that. And that's what business is, right? If you don't do well, you have to adjust or do something differently. You can't say, oh, it's this external factor, this external factor. So I learned real quick. And it's like I said, it scared me that, that, you know, I was responsible for whatever it was that I did. I had everything in front of me and there's other people in that office, uh, you know, with, with everybody that was there, including you, where if I looked over at you or if I listened down the hallway to you and you're making sales and I'm not making sales that day, like that's an example. Of, there's no one to blame. And so translating that over to business, like entrepreneurship, um, you know, it, it's, it's a matter of, are you willing to put the work in? And it's not always like, the person willing to work the hardest. Sometimes it's the person working the smartest, right? Locking things in, being creative, doing something a little bit different, doing that one thing exceptionally well where everybody else is doing it just good. Um, and so being on that 100% commission structure, although as scary as, as heck, can I use profanity on here? This family base, as scary as heck. Yes. Uh, oh, sorry, serious responding to me here. Uh, <laughs> although it's super scary, it's also, like uh, uh, there's a lot of freedom that comes with that, right? Because you're responsible for all your losses, but you're also responsible for everything that you can do and earn and, and be and the influence you can have in the future as well, right? So uh, there, there's two sides of the coin. And so 100% commission taught me rather than, rather than playing defense, like, oh my gosh, what if I have a terrible month? What am I gonna do? How am I gonna prepare for that? Instead, it's like, how, how much can we push this? Like I had months while I was working for that company where, I mean, I made more, <laughs> without getting into specific, I had made more than a lot of my friends were making per year on certain months because that month I was willing <laughs> to do something different, get creative, work on this big deal and have it pay off. So once, once you're thrown into something like that um, or in business in general, once you switch from playing strictly defense to really understanding how much potential is out there, I think for me, that's something that just opened everything. I mean, I've had failures in the business world, but I've never said, oh, I just want to play to not lose. I just want to play to not lose. It's like, you know. So what, what, happened, what happened psychologically after you got a check for the first time that was over $10,000? What, what did that do to you? And I mean, we're to, you were, how old were you, 20, 23? When I started at KU, I was 21. Oh, well, yeah. The first time I got like a $20,000 check on a month, when I was 23, you know. Um, and so what did that do? Well, I, 
I, I remember I would just, uh, I would sit and look at the bank account and be like, oh my gosh, what can I do? I like, we're going to Vegas. Woo! First time I did it. And this is the same as the first time I made good money in, in real estate too. I, I did it. And, and as new money, and I'm, uh, you know, this is my uh, humility here that, that's going to come through. I looked at it. I was like, I made it. I made it. And I, it would always follow up with terrible months. <laughs> oh, of course. I, I mean, at first, until I figured out like, hey, this is kind of a pattern. Maybe if I just stop, you know, hanging it up. After Screwing around for the first couple of weeks after you get the, yeah, oh, man, I got to get back on the phone. Yeah, yeah. So um, once I would see that for me, and I think it's because it was new money for me, right? Like my family had never seen anything like that. Everybody was nine to five salary. Like you want more money? get time and a half with overtime, you know, and hopefully at 65, you can retire and, and have a good pension or whatever it is depending on your job. Um, but yeah, yeah, at first I, I would, I would hang it up for a couple of weeks and then what my, my input would affect my output a couple of weeks later. Uh, I've learned once I got into real estate that, you know, you're working today for your tomorrow money. It doesn't come right away. You know, you're not going to do a test, turn it in and get your results back that day. You know, usually it's at least a couple of weeks, uh, you got to plant that seed and water it. And so yeah, once I started getting checks like that, it happened a few times. I'd have really, really bad months right after. So you, you wound up leaving, what was it in, in 11? Did you leave after 2011? Yeah. The day after the start was it the start of 2011? So was yeah. that February? February, 2011. Yep. Okay. When did, when did I leave before 14? Okay. Yeah. I remember, I remember having a lot of conversations with you at that time because something switched and you read a book. Talk about that book and why it was so important. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I mean, it, it was a catalyst for me, but it also, yeah, I'll, I'll tell the story. So you and I uh, would talk quite a bit, like we'd have dinner and stuff together and I'd hang with your family and so forth. And uh, the secret was the movie that I watched. Right. And, for those of you that don't know, the secret is all about manifesting your destiny, right? You think good thoughts, you put them out to the universe, and then in exchange, results will just come your way. The, the more intense your thoughts of happiness and putting yourselves in these like mind movies is what they call it. You see yourself with money, driving that nice car, you know, being in that situation, you know, the, the, quickly you would, more, the more quickly you would attract that into your life. I started doing that. I started uh, getting in a really good mood and I was like, oh yeah, I, I just see myself. I feel happy in this situation of me being a millionaire, right? I know I can do it. I see all these people doing it. Social media started becoming more and more of a big thing. But you didn't, you didn't just think it, you took action, well, which, I think, well, which I think is an important thing. Well, yeah, so, so I mean, right around that same time, we, uh, uh, the company got bought out. Um, <laughs> and uh, and I, I was offered a, a different compensation structure. And I think even if it was the same one, I was just so motivated. And, and that was just my opportunity to say, hey, you know what? There's a fork in the road here. I'm going to go left when the company's going right. And uh, it was the most empower, empowering and the most scary uh, thing that I had ever done. But I, I just had these like strong emotions behind it, right? Behind this move. I knew it was right. Uh, I've been talking with people about it. And uh, I, was, I talked to you quite a bit about it. And I was just like, you know, I got to do it. I got to do it. I got to do it everyone around me except for you and like there are two or three other people i made that move they were like no you have benefits you have like a good thing going on you have security you have safety i mean my family you know my mom and i'm a mama's boy she's like jake no hey you really need to rethink this and i was like uh no I i'm gonna go out and do it 
And uh, right at the same time, I was also reading a book by Tim Ferriss called The Four Hour Workweek, right? So a combination of The Secret, which says happy thoughts, get happy results, right? And then The Four Hour Workweek is uh, you can leverage relationships with like virtual assistants. Like there's a way where you can get maximum results with minimum input, right? For me as a habitually lazy person, I was like, this is great. I'm just going to do that and work four hours a week. And, become a <laughs> and so um, I quit and I started a new company uh, in February, 2011. And by September, 2011, um, I was broke <laughs> because I was, I was thinking these thoughts. I was like, oh, I know I'm going to do it. I was writing these sticky notes, putting them all over my house. Well, you can do it today. So the first, the first company, if I remember correctly, and we're going to get into all the real estate stuff, don't yeah, cool, yeah. everyone, everyone listening, watching, we're going to get in all this stuff. It's just interesting stories. So if I remember correctly, Jake, it was strategic sidekicks. Correct. What was the reasoning behind that name again? And, and what were you doing? Yeah. So I read this book, right? Uh, the four hour work week that we were talking about, and it talks about virtual assistants and, and uh, you know, you can, uh, you can get somebody to help you with some of your uh, administrative tasks that maybe are t bogging down a bunch of your schedule. So you could focus on what you do excellent, right? That you're one thing. Uh, that was kind of the, the, the messaging behind it. And so by starting Strategic Sidekicks, I went and created relationships with a bunch of virtual assistants. And I was brokering that relationship to entrepreneurs that might've needed help or didn't have enough hours in the day. Uh, right around the same time, uh, met a girl, fell in love with her, and uh, you know we were hanging out, and her and all of her friends were like, "Oh man, this uh, this guy, he's really bold. Wow, he quit a job, and he's like working on his own business." She had just got out of medical school, so they were just getting into the, they were all just just getting their first jobs, and they're like, "Oh, this guy's already been in the job force for five years, and blah blah blah." And now he's starting his own company. They're like, "Oh, this is great." And I wanted everybody to think it was great. I was having a good time, and I was working at it, but we were also going to dinners, going to Vegas, like, you know, just, I wasn't watching the funds that I had, had saved from the previous job. And hey, Jake, uh, yeah. Jake, Jake, hold on. My, my daughter needs a, what's up? I don't know. You got to look for her. Is that Sienna or Liana? Liana. We got, we got, uh, I don't know, whatever. Uh, sports, sports are getting back. Let's just say that. Anyway, Jake, sorry to cut you off. Real, no, real cool. uh, everyday life, which, which, you know, you got, you got yeah, your yeah. kids there. Are, uh, are same. we running? Are we still running? Was this recording the whole time? Of course. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so back, back in that day, you know, all of her friends would, we kind of like, I lived in Temecula. I had a little house, right? My little thousand square foot house and we was close to the winery. So all of her friends would come over and they'd see my home office and all my sticky notes around my house. And they're like, Oh my gosh, this is so motivating. And I'm like, I'm just going, I'm, I loved it. Carlene really enjoyed it too, because I was getting along with her friends. I fell in love with her. And, and, uh, and all of a sudden I'm looking at my bank account. I'm like, Oh gosh, this is getting low. I need to figure something out here. These happy thoughts aren't really paying the bills, you know, <laughs> these dinners. And, uh, do you want me to stop here? Because this is how it transitions to real estate. No, go. go. So, uh, so I started getting super scared and pissed off. And I was like, I don't know what to do. Never, uh, never was taught, you know, by, because a lot of what I did, I've watched the guys at Knowledge United on how they would run the company. And I, and I tried to structure it in a similar way, but I'd never seen them fail. <laughs> so I was like, what the hell am I supposed to do? Oh my gosh. And uh, I was so humiliated and pissed because I'm like, Every day that went by, 
I, in my mind, I was like, well, yeah, the financial situation sucks, but everybody said, don't do it. It's, you know, you have a consistent income with the, with the company. And I did not, like I declared that I was an entrepreneur, that I was going for it. And I did not want to have to go back with my tail between my legs. Like, dude, can I please have a job back? Oh my God. Uh, I failed. You were right. A lot of people told me that they didn't think I could do it. And uh, I mean, they were looking out for me. They weren't trying to knock me down, but they were like, oh, I, I don't know. Are you sure this is the best decision? And so I was, uh, and I would never, never uh, recommend to anyone to do this. But I was sitting there one night and I was scared. I was freaked out. I was like, dude, I'm, I'm, I got less than a grand in my account. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I was writing on a piece of paper. And I, I remember like it was yesterday because I had all the lights on in my house and everything seemed dim. And I, I felt numb, right? And everything was like really slow. Wait, you were, you, know, you were down, you were, you were down to your last thousand too? Yeah. And so I'm wow. sitting there and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what am I going to do? And I'm trying to like get some type of energy, uh, pouring, like brewing uh, pots of coffee, trying to drink coffee, trying to get a buzz or something, you know, just like, I need to figure something out, pen to paper. I started writing my failure plan. I would never recommend this. This is opposite of what the secret says, but I was like, okay, uh, I'm not gonna be able to pay my car payment. Uh, how, what am I going to do? How does that look? Um, who am I going to go and ask for a job from? Am I going to work at Starbucks? Am I going to go work at Home Depot? Am I going to try to go back and beg for a job back? What does foreclosure look like? I have no idea what it means, but I bought this house in 2009 and, and like, you know, it, the, the payments aren't that bad, but if I lost everything, I know that if I don't pay my bills, foreclosure happens, right? I had no idea what that was. And so I'm looking up, how does this work? How much time do I have? And I saw an article that says uh, like 90% of self-made millionaires uh, in the United States have their hand one form or, or another in real estate. Now, I don't know if that's true. Like I, there's no like, like footnote that says, hey, re, you know, refer to this government website. And it's true that 90% of self-made millionaires, but I knew that I wanted to be a millionaire and I knew that I had to be self-made because my family didn't come from money. Like we, we weren't money in our family. And so I was like, oh my gosh. And so I was digging deeper I was trying to look on Zillow, like, hey, like, you know, what's going to happen? And on Zillow, this, this is what changed everything. First seeing that article, and I, I, made, I made note of that because, like, look, I want to be a millionaire. I, I need to figure something out. On Zillow, it said there, there's what's called a Zestimate, okay? And it, usually it tells you, like, how much your home is worth. Zestimates, by the way, on Zillow are complete BS, right? They're terrible. They'll tell you worth, your home is worth 100 grand, and it's really worth 400. But they have what's called a rental Zestimate. And it'll show you based on historical data or like local or current data, I guess, what your house can rent out for, what the market rent is for your size and square footage of home. And I saw on there, like my, my mortgage was like a grand a month. And I saw there that I could rent it out for $15.50 a month. I was like, wait a second. Really? I, my bill. I could just go and crash on someone's house and make 500 bucks a month for someone else to live there. And they're going to pay my mortgage and give me 500 bucks on top of that. I was like, whoa. Okay. Okay. And so anyway, I, I went along writing my failure plan and like doing all that stuff. And like two days later, two or three days later, something like that, I'm at the, the home office, right? Uh, in my gym shorts and like arguing with the client. Cause I'm just so frustrated. I'm, I'm just never been in that situation before. I'm freaked out. And, uh, <laughs> uh, I never did this, but I turned everything off. Like turned the computer off. I was like, no, this is such BS. Like I hate what I'm doing now. And I'm just so much pressure on myself. And uh, I turned on the TV and it's a freaking infomercial from one of these dudes from HGTV with perfect teeth and slick back hair like a car salesman. He's like, hey, 
you want to make money in real estate? No money out of your own pocket. I was like, yes. And yes, right? I don't got any money. Like, can I buy a house for a grand? <laughs> so, um, he's, he's selling a book, right? A, a free book plus, you know, seven bucks shipping. So ordered the book on how to flip houses with other people's money. And, uh, <laughs> it was good. And it was like classic upsell, like telling a good story. Give me a little bit of information. I was like, dude, this is great. And like clockwork, like the next week sales dude calls me. Uh, I remember this like it was yesterday. Also, the guy's name was Dallas and he lived in Utah. It's like, I would never play cards with that dude. Uh, I got a buddy named Dallas and he lives in Amarillo, but he's originally from Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Right. Confusing. I was one of my, one of my best friends from college, but yeah, go ahead. Sorry. So anyway, Dallas was telling me, Oh, you know what? Like you live in Temecula. Matter of fact, and did you like the book? I was like, Oh yeah, it's great. Dallas. It was a great book. Yeah. Oh my gosh. He's like, well, you know, we're having a seminar. It's a three day seminar in Pomona at the Fairplex. Like an hour. It looks like an hour from where you're, you're living. We're going to be there in two weeks. And you know, this is coming up and we're at capacity, but you know, I saw you just got the book and, you know, we'd love to have you there and we're going to teach you this and teach you this and show you houses on how it would work and the stuff that you're learning in the book. I was like, dude, Dallas, sign me up. I need this. I need this, Dallas. Come on. And uh, he's like, okay, great. Blah, blah, blah. We're going to get you set up. You're going to love it. Right. And I'm just like emotionally sold. I was like, all right. So uh, what do I just show up? He's like, well, um, it's gonna be $15,500. Like, oh, <laughs> Dallas, come on. What do I do now? Yeah. And so um, <laughs> I, uh, I tried to get off the phone. I didn't want him to know I was broke. I didn't want anyone to know I was broke. I was embarrassed. I was, it was humiliating for me. I hadn't, it felt weird all the time. I, it wasn't comfortable. Um, and uh, I mean, obviously it's not comfortable, but um, I somehow got him off the phone. I think he kind of knew that like, that was too much for me, but the way that I, I got him off the phone, I was like, listen, Dallas, I'd really need, I'd like to think it over. And uh, can you send me some references? All right. I'd like to call some references. And Dallas was really smart. Right? I was, 25 years, 24, 25 years old at the time. He sent me references of guys that were, that were similar age to me, right? Like mid to late twenties that lived in Southern California that were doing a really good job with it. He gave me their numbers. I wasn't going to call them. And I just humored myself. And I called one to see if it was a number. The dude answered and talked to me for half hour about what he was doing. And I looked him up. I think at the time LinkedIn was real big. So I looked him up on LinkedIn. I was like, Oh my gosh, like these guys are the real deal. Found them on Facebook, the Facebook at the time or whatever it was called. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I called both these guys and it was great. And so remember I called, I called Carlene and, and, you know, I had, she knew what was going on. She was cool about it. She was like, listen, Jake, we need to, we need to talk here. I was like, Oh no, <laughs> here we go. She's like, is this it? I was like, well, you know, like I really care for you a lot. And I, I really hope not just one failure. doesn't mean that, that, you know, we're going to get it back. We're going to get it back. She's like, no, Jake, is this it? Yeah, she's breaking up with me. Oh my God. I was like, no, I mean, I can, I can do this. I swear. Just, you know, like, believe in me, believe in me. She's like, no, Jake, we're fine. Is this real estate thing? It? Right. And I was like, oh my gosh, like embarrassed. Cause I just had a failure. I didn't, you know, I didn't know what to say. I was, it was so uncomfortable. I was like, yeah, you know what? I, I think so. I really like it. She's like, Jake, you're not someone that's like in moderation on things. Like I, I know this about you by now. Is this it? Just be honest. Like, I don't like, so I said, yeah, I think it's it. She's like, I'll call you back. Hung up the phone. I felt like it was a full day. Real, realistically, it was like a half hour. She called me. <laughs> she, uh, she had been banking with a credit union since she was in high school. And uh, she had good credit. And she extended the limit on her credit cards uh, to 10 grand. And uh, she knew someone at the credit union. They opened a couple credit cards for me to get the, the other 5,500 bucks. And so like that, 
uh, I was in and I had no plan B. I didn't know what the hell I was going to do. And uh, I went to that seminar and that changed my life, changed my life. I've never told you this story in depth because you were, we were hanging out as I was going through that failure. Uh, and it was embarrassing, man. It was very embarrassing. Uh, and nobody knew about it. It, it. You know, the humility inside was just like, it ate me up every day. And, uh, I went to the seminar. Uh, I learned, you know, I mean, at this point I, I learned the basics, right? I pay a lot of money for the basics, but the basics were all I needed because I was so, I was just on fire. It was like something new. I had a second chance. Like I knew I had to actually put in the work. And then at the seminar, I saw other people that were just doing it big. And I, I just believed in myself and I made a lot of mistakes out the gate. And I don't think anyone's ever worked harder than I did. I made 273 offers over the course of like a month and a half. Um, and I finally, uh, got my first offer accepted and, uh, it was a house in Hemet. I found 100% other people's money, uh, off a dude from Facebook. He was like a 55 year old dude that lived in Detroit. Hadn't never met him. Talked to him on the phone a few times. He funded the deal, all the rehab. He overfunded it. Um, <laughs> I actually had enough to pay some bills. Um, <laughs> and, uh, by, and this all happened in September of 2011. And in January of 2012, I had resold that property, paid everybody back, including my girlfriend. Um, and I made 38 grand and some change off of that first flip. And I was like, oh, okay. This is a good deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I fired all my clients with strategic sidekicks and I went all in on real estate. And uh, since then, uh, since I guess early 2012, when I sold that first one, I've flipped over 800 houses. Um, I've done a lot of different things, a lot, you know, that had some ups so and downs. Jake, I, I'm going to point, I'm going to point this out for everyone too. So Jake does really well on Instagram and I want to talk a little bit about this, but just to put it into perspective, there's, there's a lot of people on there that have uh, a tremendous amount of followers and Jake, I don't even know how many followers you have now, but it, either way, I see, I see a random picture, you know, you do the before after and you'll be getting likes sometimes in the thousands, right? And whereas yeah, yeah. you have the, these other these other folks, maybe, you know, it's like an Instagram model. And sometimes they don't even have that many. So just, that's my sometimes way. Sometimes those Instagram models have a lot more though. I'll tell you that much. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, they do. But you, you know what I mean. Yeah, so no, I know. Whatever it is that you're doing, it's working. How did you make that happen on that platform? Well, um, so, so if you fast forward two years ago, right, I was six years in real estate at this time. I went to another conference, uh, Carlene actually went with me and it was a marketing conference and they were talking about the different platforms and how consumers essentially consume on each platform. Like YouTube is more like a long form talk show. Uh, Facebook is like a, you know, like they just showed, you know, the average amount of time that people looked into the different things. And I was using all of them. Um, not really knowing what I was doing, but I, once I got to Instagram, once I saw the amount of like uh, engagement that I would get, not only likes, but um, more importantly, like people commenting and, and reaching out and asking questions. And I started learning hashtags and stuff like that. Um, it, it, it just, it blew up for me. Um, when I was at that seminar, they said Instagram is the best one because with Instagram, uh, they can't really go in and sit. Like if you have a certain amount of followers on Instagram, you have a feature on your stories, right? Which is swipe up, right? I think once, once I got 10,000 followers, I could have people swipe up and I can direct them to any link I want. I could direct them to my investors page. I can direct them to, I have a mentorship program. I can direct them to that. I could direct them to something that's just complete misinformation, right? That, that 
Facebook as a Facebook does own Instagram, but Facebook as a platform, if I was to run an ad through Facebook, they would go and they'd be like, absolutely not like this. You can't do this, right? Like we're not going to be enabling you to run something to something that's disinformation. But with Instagram, you can just swipe up. Nobody checks it. It's not audited. And gosh, so how did, how did you get to 10,000? I was, uh, I posted a lot with hashtags. Um, I listened to a podcast where somebody said that with hashtags, if there is a hashtag where the sweet spot is right in between 100,000 and 200,000, like, active posts on that, then that would be the sweet spot. And I just started testing different times of day where I was posting different types of before and after pictures, long captions, short captions. Do I put the, uh, the hashtag in my caption or do I comment on my own post and do the hashtag? I found what was working for me, like at that time, and it's changed since, but at that time, if I posted something between four and 6 PM as a before and after picture, and I had a very long form caption, with my hashtags, hashtags that are around 100,000, 200,000, you know, uh, instances of it. Uh, that was my sweet spot. I would gain 400, 500 new followers by posting it like that. I, I like hacked the system, right? And so for, I mean, for a month, I was posting on a regular basis before and after pictures between four and 6 p.m. and, and writing the long form thing. How many times per week? Uh, at that point, I was going like three to five times a week. Um, I just didn't have a ton of content. I would, I would work really hard on, on like my messaging and my communication, making sure it was like very clear and concise. I started realizing that my messaging was good. I would get way more followers when I'd have also a ton of people telling me I was either bad for this country, a terrible person. Uh, my stuff was fake. I'm terrible at my job that the, the before and after looked bad. Like the more I would get hate and negativity on those posts, it would freak me out. It was like my biggest fear was on going on Instagram or any of these platforms was, you know, the criticism, the haters, if you will. And I quickly learned once I looked at the analytics for each post, which anybody can have that. You can see how many follows you get, how many engagements. You can even see based on your audience, like there's a, a insights uh, tab where you can see where, like what time most of your followers are most active in the day. But um, the posts where I would get like the most just vile, nasty, mean comments it also gain the most amount of net followers. And so I was like, okay, well, I could look at it as oh, I'm putting myself out there. But then I also looked at it, at it as, well, my, my messaging is getting better because the people that are hating on me, they actually understand what I'm trying to say, right? My message was clear, whether they liked it or disliked it, that's none of my business. It's just, they understood what I was saying. And so that's how, that's how it really got to, you know, 10, 15,000 at first. And that was just, I mean, that was last year. There's a couple, couple hundred grand now. <laughs> so that's awesome, man. Yeah. That's, that's super cool. So um, we're working with our business. We're starting to work more with real estate agents, mm -hmm. right? And uh, obviously they have a lot to do and they have a lot on their plates. What's, you know, what's, what's some advice you you can offer to real estate agents that whether it's commercial or it's residential uh, what what are some of the things that they can do to continue to help build their business or if they're just starting out what are some of the tools techniques that they can start to incorporate yeah absolutely so um as you know disclaimer i'm not a licensed real estate agent uh when i flip houses like i don't ever step foot inside i'm not an agent i'm not a contractor and i actually don't even use my own money right but I use a power team of private lenders, uh, contractor, licensed contractors, 
um, and real estate agent. A real estate agent is an integral part of my business. With that being said, although I'm not an agent, uh, I've seen what works for our residential flips really, really well uh, as it comes to social media. Just, I mean, just outside of social media too. But um, as it relates to social media in general, video content is huge. And a lot of agents, a lot of people in general uh, are really freaked out about video content, like recording a video, even if you're a great speaker and you don't have a problem with this, right? You have a, a pretty robust background in, in speaking on camera. But I know that, that I wasn't freaked out about speaking and then all of a sudden you turn a camera. Or a so Jake, just, just to build off, off of that, because we started this podcast and it was just audio only. And one of the reasons why I only wanted it audio to start is because um, once you start incorporating the video, then there's all those other assets that you got to break up from, say, this, this one interview. And I knew um, that's just going to be more, more time to put it together, more money, whether I do it or have other people do it, right? And mm. so I'm like, the audio, that's good. But the first, the first one of these that, that I did, the video cast, whatever you want to call it, um, it was so much freaking fun. And I'm like, why haven't I been doing this the whole time? Because it's more fun when I get to see you, you get to see me, and it's just cool. So, yeah, to your point, you probably just have to have to go do it, right? And, you know, we're Absolutely. just trying to build this. I don't know what the heck's going to happen with it. You know, whatever. If anything, if we can provide some little tidbit of value to someone each and every week or each and every podcast, then I guess we're doing something good, right? Absolutely. I got you, brother. But hey, Sully, you're Matt Sully. I don't know how people refer to you on here. Sully, I, I know you as Sully or the solstice. So um, you're a different breed, right? Like you get off on this stuff. And I don't mean that in a weird sure way. Do. But you oh, enjoy yeah. being on camera. And I do too now at this point. But a lot of people, that's their biggest fear. I teach a lot of people this and game. And you had to train, you had to train yourself. Absolutely. And, and I think part of it is, well, all of it is being cool with being unbuttoned if that's you right you don't have to pretend that you're somebody that speaks perfectly that doesn't stutter that tucks in their shirt and wears their dockers up a little bit too like you don't got to be that guy you have to be a real authentic person speaking to people using your tonality like uh your verbiage whatever you're like like the way that you speak the the the, the pace everything like the, your body language, you doing all these flailing arms and stuff. You have to be cool with being you understand not everyone's going to like it, but what you're trying to do, if you're using social for business in general, people are going to be more attracted to an authentic, sometimes vulnerable, uh, usually imperfect character than somebody that's like, Hey, my name's Jake and I sell houses and I flip houses and do you want to learn how to do this with my team? Like, I don't, I don't talk like that. I, sometimes I let those F-bombs fly and sometimes I stutter and completely lose my train of thought or have too many, uh, um, you know. You're human. Yeah, exactly. And people relate to that. And I, I, you, know, I, I, you know, I listen to the stuff and watch the stuff, rewatch it, whatever. And I'm like, man, uh, I thought my vocabulary, uh, the amount of words that I could process and verbalize was so much better than it actually is, <laughs> you know, but it's a constant, it's a constant critique. It's like, well, how, how am I going to get better with this? How's it going to evolve? But we all do it. And that, I think that's just kind of speaking to your point. Can I give you an interesting side note? Yeah, of course. I think it's approximately the last 50 years, people have broken down transcripts from presidential campaigns. Every single time the president that wins 
has a lower reading level as far as their speeches that they, that they give than their opposition. They've won every single time with the lower reading level of vocabulary that they use. And I think going back to the clear and concise captions that I was talking about with Instagram, uh-huh. I mean, I make it a point to be as simple, K-I-S-S, right? Keep it simple, stupid. I don't try to use words that are outside of my scope or my range. Matter of fact, I try to dumb it down or, or, or say stuff with, uh, you know, the, the fewest uh, syllables in my words as possible, right? If I'm out there trying to use big words, um, some people aren't going to understand what I'm saying. And if, and if I isolate people that could potentially uh, use my content for their benefit, then I'm not, you know, I'm not putting my best foot forward. But I can tell you what, the people that have, you know, 30th grade reading levels are still going to understand what I'm saying if I break things down to be a fourth grade reading level. So, you know, we, we have a product branding organization as it pertains to online branding, social media. Yeah, kind of not my gig. Learning about that, right? Um, but I know with product branding, how important, how important it is to represent yourself in, in, in a positive manner and just bam, right? You have a canopy out there, photo backdrop, tablecloth, banner flight, you know, photo backdrop. I, I love these. They're, it's just fun. Mm-hmm. And how, how important is it to have those types of things with your business along with having a presence on social media and having a pretty good following and brand online? Well, it depends on who you're talking to, right? Like for me as a real estate investor, my branding isn't that important. You're talking to a real estate agent, your branding, I mean, there's a reason that for so many years, which by the way, I think this has completely changed and a lot of people are dinosaurs if they're still doing this. But there's a reason that people were putting their faces on park, you know, bus benches and on the side of a bus that goes by and on a billboard. Now that can work, but social media allows people to do that and reach a lot more people for a lot less money. So it just, I think that kind of depends on what the business is, but consistency is the most important thing. And if you have a brand, right, you've got your backdrop there. People see that over and over and over. They start associating not only what it says and, and the, the icon and, and all, the logo or whatever, uh, they also start associating the colors with certain, uh, you know, with certain feelings like um, uh, power. I don't know if power is a feeling or, uh, you know, environmentally friendly. There's different things that, that portray different emotions. And usually when people buy, it's based on emotion, at least at first. And then it goes, well, when people buy at first, they want emotion and then it's uh, 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 logic and then it's scarcity or fear. That, those are the, that's the, the life cycle of a sale. But um, you want to incite a positive emotion first and foremost. And I think that with branding, depending on your business, if you're out there you know, marketing to the, to the world, like a real estate agent would trying to get new, new customers. I think it's of the utmost importance, but I think that, that, um, having, so I look at people ask me all the time about my Instagram and like, what's a, like, like a macro strategy behind it. Cause micro strategies, I can go off and talk to you for eight hours about what I do with Instagram or what I toy with or the little things that I'm messing around with right now. And it changes all the time, but on, from a micro level, I treat my social media as if it was virtual real estate. Um, and that's an asset that can appreciate. Uh, it's an asset that can pay you back tomorrow money, depending on your content. All it takes is one piece of content uh, that if somebody goes and starts checking out your page, they can scroll back to two months ago. They see that one piece of content. They'd be like, oh, this gets me, like this hooks me, right? So <clears throat> treating it as, um, uh, as, as virtual real estate, I make sure this is a metaphor, of course, but I make sure that my lawn is always mowed. If there's weeds growing, like I make sure to remove those weeds and I'm always making in, in house flipping, right? Like 
there's three main things. You got your curb appeal, you got your kitchen, you got your bathroom. On my virtual real estate, I want to make sure that, you know, my video content, uh, you know, I'm A, I have a call to action somewhere. B, I'm showing my personality. And C, I have a clear and concise message. I mean, if I could do that with, ev with everything that I put out there, then my real estate's going to do nothing but appreciate. Specifically with Instagram, with Facebook, you got to scroll down for, you know, two minutes in order to find something if you're posting on a regular basis. If you want to find something that, that I posted two months ago, you look at my Instagram, you go down a little bit, it's got, you know, the little grid thing. Usually I have like a headline on there because that's what somebody's going to click on. They'll, they'll click on it based on some like interesting headline that I post or ironic headline or something. So, so Jake, you, you have your, your mentorship program and I want to get in that in, in just a few minutes. We're kind of, we're kind of yep. up against it here. Yeah, but man, am I, I'm going off in a hundred different directions. No, no, that's good. I love it. It's, it's all, all right. valuable. Uh, information in, in my opinion. I think everyone who's listening, watching, there, there's going to be significant takeaways from that. So if you're a real estate agent, why, why would they work with someone like you? What value do, uh, do you bring to them? How does it work? Importance, that type of thing. Okay. And you're just talking about me as a, as an investor. Yes. Yep. Well, um, I mean, <laughs> today's investor is a lot different than, I mean, even a couple of years ago, just because of what social, not social media, but technology has done. I mean, social media is a part of that, but for real estate, like when I first started in order for me to get information on a property that I wanted to purchase in order to flip, I would have to network with the real estate agent, right? That real estate agent would have to like think that I knew what I was talking about to the point where they're okay with sending information from the MLS, which is something that only licensed agents have. And I could analyze it based on that, make offers through that agent. If, you know, if I'm buying something from the open market, which 80% of what I buy is on the open market. Um, today, Redfin gives us a lot of that information, right? Like the MLS, instead of going to real estate agents to disperse, I mean, that's a part of it, but it also goes to Redfin and Zillow and Trulia, where I can, I have apps on my phone that I've programmed in certain neighborhoods strategically to send me leads while I sleep, right? Um, and so today's real estate investor, a lot of the old timers don't necessarily feel comfortable working with us because we leverage technology as much as we do. But I would say, I mean, if I was to give a value proposition to a real estate agent, uh, I would say, I mean, it, if they're trying to make money, it's like, look, if, I, if you buy with me, you get a commission on my purchase. If, you, if, I, if I flip the house and I sell with you, you get a commission, even possibly a double commission on the resale. But I think the main thing is, uh, is time, right? Like you don't have to, you know, if you're buying from me, I'm buying it from afar. The way that I teach folks in my mentorship group, we're buying remotely, right? Because trends you can now find on these types of apps and you can get contractor bids without me being there at the property, right? It's all, num it's a numbers game. But uh, if you compare me looking at everything through my phone, right? Through an app, a free app that everyone has and being able to analyze numbers and pull the trigger on making an offer on a property, you know, you, a cash offer that I have, you know, other people's money to be able to come and, and, and fund that deal. Would somebody rather do that and possibly make three commissions on that? Or would they want to, you know, the, a, a local family in the neighborhood that's looking for a new house and they're only available on weekends and you show them 10 open houses every weekend for the next four weeks and then they make an offer or then they want to think about it and then they make an offer on a property. I mean, I make, I make multiple offers every day and the agents that I work with, I mean, there was an agent in uh, 2019 that did like 46 transactions with me and like, two neighborhoods in one city. He made multiple six figures without me ever stepping foot inside, inside that, that neighborhood, right? Inside that city. 
And so you have to, I, I guess, determine what's more valuable, right? Do you, like, is your reputation of just working with people local and doing things the old way, is, is that what you want? Or do you want to make more money by spending less time and being able to, to make it evolve? Again, what, it, what is your time worth? And, and people bring this up all the time. What, you know, do, have, you, have you given yourself a value for your time, like an hour, hourly rate, right? And mm -hmm. so once, once you do that, you're like, well, some of, this, some of this other stuff, you're like, I don't know if that's beneficial for my time. And everybody, everybody's different and everyone's good at, at, at various things. So I, I just think you bring up a really good point there. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. You're quite welcome, Jake. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, uh, with, I mean, if you, this kind of, this is a great way to circle back into when I first quit the nine to five and went into entrepreneurship, like that four hour work week, there's so many folks out there that can help us with the, the mundane, repetitive, administrative tasks, virtual assistants, you can hire someone clear across the country or clear across the world, you know, for a very minimum hourly rate and only hire them for project specific, you know, like a couple hours here, a couple hours there, you can do that. So realistically, if you do, like you said, if you put a value on your time, if you're like, look, my time is worth, you know, for example, hundred bucks an hour, 500 bucks an hour, thousand bucks an hour. And these tasks that I'm doing that just filled up four hours of my day can be done even if I hired a virtual assistant, one of the more expensive ones for 20 bucks an hour. Realistically, like we can, we can put numbers behind, behind that theory now. You know, like it, 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 there's so many people and, and the internet's connected us, right? The same way that real estate and social media have all changed, right? The whole ability to have a power team, people doing specific things, uh, very specialized tasks. Like there's, there's a number on that now, you know, so you, you know, you begin with the end in mind, you ask yourself, what is my time worth? Right? Because if, if you're paying somebody 20, 20 bucks an hour and your time is worth 250 an hour, well, yeah, you, you have to pay that. Somebody works three hours. You got to pay him 60 bucks, but now you have three hours that are open <laughs> where you have the ability to, to create more doing things on your, on your pay grade, you know? I do. Hey, the flip, the, uh, the flip. Sorry, dude. They did a teacher. They did a teacher drive by. You know what I mean? Yeah. They did a teacher drive by, you know, saying thank you for all the, all the hard work that they did. And, um, yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty cool, pretty cool deal. You know, just celebrating, uh, what this one specific instructor teacher was able to do for them. In, in the given half school year, I guess it was, but the flip secret, Jake, your mentorship program, what is it? Why should people be interested? In, and if people are just thinking about, hey, this flipping thing, other people's money, like that sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, obviously real estate changed my life. I mean, I'm, I'm very upfront about that. I had some ups and downs. I mean, there was some you know, stuff up here in the old noggin mentally that I had to get through in order to really understand like where my time was valuable, like what, what, what the value I brought to the table and so forth, but it changed my life. And so uh, with the whole time is money thing, I make good money flipping houses, um, but that buys back my time. I can be a dad. I can do all this kind of fun stuff. I, I'm the only dad on a Tuesday afternoon at noon that can go to my daughter's you know, swim class. And that's cool. Cause I didn't have that when I was younger. So uh, with my money, I buy back my time. Now, I get to do that, but I've learned that I really enjoy teaching. Uh, I've been able to speak from stage and that was cool, but now that I have three kids, which is crazy, 
um, you know, I, uh, I wanted to continue teaching and I also wanted to continue being close to home without flying around the country. And so I started a mentorship group. It's all virtual. It's all online. There's pre-recorded content, but it teaches people. And there's also one-on-one -on -one access where we do zoom and, and stuff like that. But, um, I call it my flip family. There's a couple hundred people in there now. We, I teach people, I give them the whole, like I open up the hood uh, of the car and give them the entire engine and a manual on how to drive that and help them drive that as they do it. And so uh, it teaches people how to flip houses in today's market using other people's money, 100% other people's money, if, if you want, you know, dep depending on how much money you want to put into a deal or how much money you have to put into a deal or that you have the ability to put in the deal, we have the ability to help with that, right? Like I, I teach people how to do it, we get real results. But um, I would not say it's for everybody. I mean, I, you know, I don't, I don't do the work for people. I want people to be good, I want people to be great. And because of that, um, I want people to go out and get outside of their comfort zone. So I know you said like, why is this a good, a good fit or, or a good program for people? It's not for everybody. But if people are interested in learning this game, how to do it part-time, from any market, you know, you do it from Southern California all the way across the country in Florida uh, and everywhere in between. Um, that's what we teach. That's what we do. We have uh, pretty good results and it is my passion. I enjoy, enjoy, enjoy doing that. It's my life's work, at least up to this point. So uh, if people are interested, uh, the website is theflipsecrets.com slash mentor. Uh, depending on when you're listening to it, sometimes we're actively accepting new applications. Uh, sometimes we have it on wait list either way, you know, put your info in we can get on a, a call with me or someone on my team free call kind of go over what we're all about see if you're a good fit see if we're a good fit. And if it is, put you on the team. And uh, just by the way, great follow on Instagram, Jake, what uh, and all the before and after pictures you, you, post, yeah, yeah. you post pretty much all of them, right? Yeah, um, I post a lot of them. So how do they how do they follow you there? So it's at Jake light. It's J A K E. L-E-I-C-H-T. You go over there, you check me out, and yeah, I, I post before and afters. Remember to read the captions because I do a lot of teaching in the captions as well. I really enjoy it. And then I show a lot of behind the scenes, the good, the bad, the ugly uh, on my stories. Like there's a lot of people that just follow that page and they make pretty good money doing stuff in real estate themselves. So I enjoy doing it, man. It's, it's fun. And you'll see, you'll see there's a lot of people uh, giving me a hard time on some of those posts too. And you'll also see, depending on my mood, sometimes I'll snap back at them. Which is also fun for me. <laughs> That's the fun part. That's the fun yeah, part, right? I enjoy hey, it. well, Jake, uh, we could, we could go on for hours because obviously both of us like to talk, and uh, it's just fun catching up and talking business, family, sport. Well, we didn't even get into sports. That's a whole nother deal. Well, we'll we're gonna have to do this again to talk about all sorts of stuff. But just remember the hashtag: Dean Spanos created the coronavirus. <laughs> Tell that to your friends; it'll spread all over the place. Um, Anyway, man, loved catching up with you. Let's do it again. Uh, also, everyone, follow Jake on Instagram. Uh, check out everything that he does. Uh, it, you know, I've known this guy for, for years. Very genuine individual. Love you, buddy. And heck, man, have fun on your vacation. Yeah, man. Love you too, Soli. I like what you're doing. I'm always, uh, I'm always keeping tabs, even if we're not talking. And I appreciate you and the message that you're putting out there and the positivity you're sharing. There's so much opportunity out there if we're only willing to get the right ladder to pick those low-hanging fruit. I mean, it's, there, there's so much we could do. It's a matter of taking action, finding that ladder, and freaking climbing it, you know? So. Heck yeah. <laughs>